Good evening. A man was, uh, had a business and uh, he had opened a new location and uh, he had called his florist and asked him to deliver uh, an arrangement uh, for the celebrations. And uh, he was quite upset when he got there and found uh, an, uh, an arrangement, but the, the note had, may, he, may his soul rest in peace. Um, and so he was quite upset and he called the florist and he, you know, he fussed him out and, and everything. And the florist apologized profusely. You know, he got it mixed up. There was a funeral and the, his arrangement went somewhere else. But he said to him, well, at least you can feel good about the other guy because somewhere there's a guy laying, laying six feet under with an inscription that says, good luck in your new location. <laughs> well, I'm sure his family didn't feel that way. But, you know, whenever we plan, our best laid plans can go awry. And uh, we find that there is problems, difficulties, and instabilities. And for the children of Israel, in Isaiah's day, the kingdom of Judah was facing some perilous times, difficult times they were going through. From the north, Assyria was being pressed, was pressing forward, conquering kingdom after kingdom. And uh, the northern kingdom of Israel was even taken into captivity. And as Assyria came nearer and nearer to Jerusalem, the people got disturbed. And uh, they were sort of undecided uh, about where to turn. Some decided to give themselves up to the Assyrians. They figured that was probably the best thing to do. Others looked to the south, believing that a coalition with Egypt would probably save them. And so they were trying to make some decisions at a time of instability in their lives and in their nation. And as a result of this, God sent the prophet Isaiah to warn the people not to take either option. You see, many times we look at the options that we have, and it seems as if there's, there's nothing more we can do. But before we go to God, we decide, well, you know, that one looks like a better one or that one. Well, God sent the prophet Isaiah to tell the people, listen, you're looking over there, that may look good. You're looking over there, that may look good. But don't take either of those options. Why? Because the key to their deliverance was not in trusting in men, but it was in placing their trust in the Almighty God. If we go over to Isaiah chapter 31, you will see in the first verse of Isaiah chapter 31, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. And so the children of Israel had a prior warning about who to turn to and who to place their trust in. It was the Lord who would provide the stability for them in these difficult, perilous, and trying times uh, when all seemed hopeless, helpless, and probably lost in their minds. As we look at our text, Isaiah chapter 33 is our text. Isaiah chapter 33 in just one verse. And it reads... And he will be the stability of your times, a wealth of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. And so here we see an exhortation for the people of God, the people of God, mind you, who are facing unstable times, difficult times. 
And the exhortation was for them to put their trust in the Lord. What was the prophet saying? What was this message that was coming from God to these people when they were deciding either to give themselves up or to form an alliance with the enemy? The message was quite clear. And it was that God would be their security when their times of insecurity came. During this time of insecurity, God is the one you need to look to for your security. What was he saying? God would be their firmness. God would be their moral conformity when their times of compromise showed up and caused them to have doubts about where to turn. God would be their steadiness. God would be their constancy when their times of difficulty caused them to have doubts about where to turn. And even though this word was given thousands of years before our time, the counsel that Isaiah gave to the children of Israel way back then still rings true today for you and me in our time. The question for us is, who is the stability of your times? When you're going through difficulty, when you're going through trials, who are you depending upon? During the election campaign, there was a lot of talk about the crime and the violence um, that was going on and how things were going to change. If this one got into power, they're going to change this and they're going to change that. And what was alarming after all the smoke had cleared was that the murders were now happening two by two rather than one by one. And it brought to mind who really is the stability of our times. Is it the government? Is it the politicians? Is it the, the police department? Who is the stability of your times? To illustrate, let's begin by noticing some of the unstable conditions that we have during our times today. And uh, what causes uh, people to have instabilities in their hearts and the effects that we have from such instabilities. Now, we face a lot of things in life which are common to every age. They were certainly common to the age of the, the Israelites, and uh, they're common in our age, and they cause some disturbing feelings in our hearts and in our minds. We are reminded of the words of Job. Job chapter 14 and verse 1. Job says, Man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. We think we're going to get away without having problems and troubles and difficulties in our lives. Job says, The days are few. You only live a few days on this, on this earth. But one of the things that you can count on is that you're going to have trouble. You're going to have problems. In other words, life is short. And sorrowful for every living soul. No one is exempt. No one is excluded. And in Job chapter 5, in verse 6 and 7, we read, For evil does not come up from the dust, nor does trouble spring from the ground. But people are born to trouble, as surely as the sparks fly upward. Have you ever seen sparks fly downward? What is he saying? As surely as sparks fly upward, you can be assured that you're going to have trouble in this world. But some people, some of the most pathetic people in the world are those who cannot handle 
trouble when it comes, cannot handle difficulties when it comes. We experience such unstable conditions in times of sickness. Whenever sickness comes into our lives, in the lives of our loved ones or those who are near and dear to us, we experience unstable conditions and we need stability. Where do we look for it? Except for physical pain, handling sickness seems to be a question of attitude. In fact, whatever we do in life, we approach it with an attitude. And so whenever we get sick, whatever the sickness is, we approach it with an attitude. What am I going to do in the face of sickness in order to learn from it and use it for my advantage as far as God's eternal purpose is concerned? Do we have that attitude when sickness comes? Some of the most pathetic people in the world are those who, in the midst of sickness, indulge themselves in wallowing in self-pity and even bitterness. All the while taking a sort of delight in blaming God for their problems. And don't we have, always have somebody to blame? The sick, however, the sick believer will be blessed. If in the midst of great agony and despair, he can look into the face of his heavenly father because of his eternal love and presence and be grateful. That's what it really means. For God to be our stability. Our response to sickness should lead us to look beyond it. Beyond the sickness. In an attempt to see God's higher purpose. And what he really wants to teach us. By the sickness. Yes. We can go to the doctor. And I don't have a problem going to doctors. That's the first place I run. Man, I was up hurts too much. But I go to God first. Because you see, you can go to that doctor and he could, be, he could become your stability in your times of sickness. And so I go to God first and say, Lord, please allow me to go to the doctor on a day when the doctor is not having a bad here day. When his wife didn't upset him about something. So that he can really listen to you and be able to treat me properly and not misdiagnose me. Or use me for a guinea pig. You see, sometimes we allow the things and the persons and the circumstances in our lives to be the stability rather than allowing God to be the stability. We should have Job's attitude, which is an inspiration, or it should be, to all of us. Job says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Why? Because for Job, God was the stability of the times that he was going through. God was the stability that he was resting upon. Yes, his friends came, but they didn't do very much. At the beginning, they were great. They did what they were supposed to do. But after all the smoke had cleared, and all the mourning had passed, they got on his case. But we can also experience unstable conditions in times of death. And I guess for most people, that's when times are most unstable. When we are wondering, what am I going to do without this loved one? We spend so much time together. Or when I'm facing death myself, what am I going to do? Woody Allen once said, It's not that I'm afraid to die. It's just that I don't want to be there when it happens. 
Don't we feel like that sometimes? I was on a plane one time going to, to coming from Bimini. One of those little small five-seater Aztec Pipers. And there were three of us on the plane. Me and a co-worker and the pilot. And after we landed in Bimini at the airport, transacted our business and took off, we were only in the air for a little while. We had just taken off. We didn't even gain altitude properly yet to level off. The pilot's ears started to turn red. And I was sitting right behind him, so I noticed. And it was alarming. Because I said, I hope this fellow's not getting sick. I hope he's not going to have a heart attack. I can't fly no plane, and my buddy couldn't either. And so I leaned forward, and I whispered in his ear, everything okay? And he paused. And then he said, not really. <laughs> Whoa. I could identify with Woody Allen. I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to beat him when it happens. So I said, what's the problem? He says, well... The light on the indicator, the indicator light that says that the landing gear is up, doesn't, is not indicating. In other words, the light is not telling me that the landing gear is up. So I said, well, no big deal. I mean, if it doesn't go up, we could just go right back and it'll always be down. You don't have to let it down. He says, no, 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 it doesn't work that light, like that. If I go back at the, at the speed that we came, the pressure will tear the landing gears off. And we won't have any landing gears to land on when we get there. And we'll have to belly land. I said, yeah, that is serious. But I felt just like Woody Allen. Hey, I don't mind. I was saved. I didn't mind dying. I just didn't want to be there when it happened. And don't we feel like that sometimes? That's what death does. We know that absent from the body is present with the Lord. But a lot of people feel that way. We have to think about how am I going to go? Is God the stability of your, of your times during those times? W.C. Fields was in, in his deathbed in hospital, and uh, he knew he was going to die. And a friend came into his hospital room and saw him thumbing through a Bible. And he thought it was, he was surprised because he never saw W.C. Fields pick up a Bible in his life. And so he was really surprised to see him thumbing. So he says, what are, you, what are you doing? What are you looking for? He says, I'm looking for loopholes. Nobody wants to die whenever death shows up. Why? Is it because that God is not the stability of their times? Is he the stability of your times when death comes knocking? When death comes to your door? A lady had a neighbor who had a cat and the cat was hit by a car and killed. And a little boy, a little four-year-old son was attached to this cat. And so she quickly took the cat and buried it and uh, didn't tell her son anything and then after a few days the boy missed the cat and he says mom what happened to mrs jones's cat he says son he died but don't worry everything is fine he's up in heaven with god the little boy looked at him and says what in the world would god want with a dead cat we think like that sometimes when we're about to die or death comes knocking we think about God having to deal with a dead believer. Even though we talk about absent from the body and present with the Lord. It's because we are so much earthbound, we think earthbound. Our stability is not on God. It probably is on the undertaker rather than the uppertaker. Because we are so earthbound. Is 
God the stability of your times when death comes. Into your family, into your environment. When death invades your space, is God the stability of your times? But we also experience unstable conditions in times of tragedies. Whenever tragedies and disaster come into our lives, we are unstable as well. Uh, someone once said, the tragedy of life is not that it ends too soon, but that we wait so long to begin it. Plato once said, we can easily forgive a child who is afraid of the dark. The real tragedy of life is when men are afraid of light. There are a lot of people today who are afraid of light. The light of the Lord. What do we do when tragedies come into our lives in the form of disasters? Is God our stability? Now there are other conditions as well that are peculiar to our day and age that we often consider when we look at the stability of our times, the, the threat of uh, environmental disaster or nuclear disaster. Uh, we think of inflation and recession and unemployment. Uh, we think of cancer and heart disease and strokes and all kinds of illnesses. Some of them don't even have a name yet. But we think about them. Crime, road rage. We're getting like the United States now. You can't drive without looking at somebody too much and they think there's something wrong and they chase you down. And then there's senseless, random violence. What do we do? To consider the effect of some of these things that we go through that challenge the stability of our times. Consider anxiety and fear. How some people are affected. Some have anxiety and they're fearful. And they isolate themselves. Others react with depression. Fuck, our age has become, uh, become known as the age of anxiety or the age of neurosis. All because of depression and how the times uh, are affecting people today. And Christians are not exempt. Christians are reacting the same way as the unbeliever who have no hope. Why? Is that because God is not the stability of their times? Or are they looking at things the way the rest of the world is? Some react with murmuring and complaining, even at God. We know what God told the Corinthians about murmuring and complaining. And he gave them an example of what he did to the children of Israel because of it. But we find ourselves reacting in the same way. Others simply exist in a joyless state. And what does that do? It repels people from the kingdom. Person walks around, they see a believer with a long face. You a Christian? Well, they don't want a part of Christianity because of your joyless state. Is it because God is not the stability of your times? But yet, there are others that we confront who are not disturbed, who are not disturbed at all are the things that others are disturbed about, especially Christians. Even though they experience the same things that devastate the lives of other people, they're different. They respond differently. They react differently. Uh, they're going through the same financial reversals and crises and diseases and uncertainties, but they're behaving differently from other people. Why? Why the different reaction? Is there some source of strength that some people have found that others have not? I believe there is. 
And I believe the strength is the Lord who provides the stability in troubled times. And in our text, chapter uh, 33 of Isaiah, we learn how the Lord provides that stability. Look at the verse. It comes through wisdom and knowledge. The stability of the Lord is provided by God through wisdom and knowledge. The New King James speaks of wisdom and knowledge as the stability of your times. And it's speaking not of the knowledge and wisdom of man, but the knowledge and wisdom of God. Other translations put it differently. Uh, the, the modern King James says, the security of your times. Uh, the NIV says, he will be the sure foundation of your times. But this wisdom and knowledge is designed by God to help us to face life. When all of the debilitating circumstances come our way and invade our space. It's designed to help us face life. How? By guiding and protecting us from the pitfalls of life. And there are many. There are many pitfalls that we will encounter that we will never anticipate in this life. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6 through 10. says, for the Lord gives wisdom. It comes from him. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Where does wisdom come from? It comes from the Lord's mouth. And according to the scripture, God doesn't lie. He can't lie. And so if God speaks to us and grants us wisdom, especially to help us in the times that we're experiencing, we ought to take that wisdom and apply it to our lives in a way that God's purpose will be fulfilled as God intended it. Verse 7 of Proverbs chapter 2 says, He stores up sound wisdom. It's not wisdom that is flippant. Wisdom that is shaky. It's sound wisdom. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Who does he store it up for? The upright. That's you and I. Why? Because he, we need it. We need it in unstable times. That is our stability. It says, he is a shield to those who walk in integrity. What does a shield do? It protects, doesn't it? It wards off. It helps us. It keeps the danger from coming to us. And the Bible tells us that God is a shield to us, to us, to those who walk or live in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. Now think about that. He preserves the way of his godly ones. What does that tell us? Whenever we face unstable times, we are there, not because God didn't, couldn't do anything about it, he has already preserved the way. He's led us there. And that's for a purpose. So our reactions ought to be different to it. Verse 9 says, Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good cause. Notice it doesn't say some good cause. This is every good cause. Verse 10 says, For wisdom will enter your heart. It will come in, but only if we let it. It will enter your heart. And knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Now, not all knowledge is pleasant to the soul, is it? Some knowledge is devastating to the soul. Just look at the news and the media. But this particular knowledge that God gives, he says it will be pleasant to the soul. But he also, he provides stability. And this stability comes to provide comfort and confidence 
in times of turmoil. Comfort and confidence. Two things that we need so that we don't go insane in this world when we see all that's going on around us. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 21 through 26. My child or my son, let them not vanish from your sight. A lot of things are vanishing from the sights of people today. What he is telling us, don't let wisdom be one of them. You can let a lot of things vanish, but you cannot afford to let wisdom vanish from your sight. You need it. Why? Because it's the wisdom and knowledge of God that provides the stability for the times in which you live. So you don't want that to vanish away. Notice what he says. Keep sound wisdom. Keep it. Don't trade it off for anything else. Don't trade it for compromise. Don't trade it for anything else that looks good. Don't trade it because the devil shows up, uh, shows up and puts a carrot before you that's going to promise something else that's not going to happen. Keep it, he says. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So there will be life to your soul and an adornment to your neck. We only put stuff on our neck we want people to see, right? Right? We, we put stuff on our neck that we like. Uh, we, we, it's nice and we want people to see it. We want people to be attracted to it. We probably want it even to be a conversation piece so that we can say something about the person who gave it to us or how we got it or what it means to us. And so he says, let wisdom be an adornment to our neck. Let it be a conversation piece. Let it be a, a source of individuals coming to you and say, what, what is this all about? And give you an opportunity to share the wisdom of God that provides the stability of our times. Verse 23 says, then you will walk in the way, you will walk in your way securely. Do we want to walk otherwise? Is there any other way that we desire to walk? He says, you will walk in your way securely and your foot will not stumble. Now, I know none of us would like to stumble, right? Nobody want to go through their lives stumbling over anything. And so he says, the wisdom and knowledge of God provides the stability of our time so that we can walk securely and so that we will not stumble. But not only that, he says in verse 24, then you will lie down. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. You know, there are a lot of people who go to bed at nights and they're afraid. They lie down, they're afraid. They wonder what's going to happen. I mean, if I'm sleeping in the middle of the night, somebody's going to break in my house. Uh, some of you saw the news the other night where someone... Uh, was in their home sleeping, and the guys went in, and they stripped the car right in the driveway. How I many of you saw that? Yeah, right in the driveway. Took an hour. And they didn't know that, the, the thieves didn't know that the people had a camera on the driveway. But there were these guys, they, and they were, they, were, they were professionally doing it. People were driving by, and they, they didn't flinch. But that's happening, and many people are afraid to lie down at night. But this is the one I like. When you lie down... Your sleep will be sweet. Don't you like that? That's because your stability is not in the security system that you have in your house. It's not in the chain link fence you have around your property. It's not in the iron gate that you have out front. It's not in the alarm system or the boot or the, what do you call the thing on your, on your car wheel? The club. It's not in that. Your stability is in the wisdom and knowledge of God. That's where your stability is. The sound system, the, 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 the alarm systems, they work fine. You know, my, my wife woke up this morning and, and uh, went and opened the front door and woo, 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 woo. She does that sometimes. She forgot to turn the alarm off. Two minutes later, the phone rings. The alarm company, is everything okay? But when we lay down at night, we want to know that our sleep is going to be sweet. 
Some people say you only sleep sweet when it rains. Is that true for anybody? People say the best time to sleep is when it's raining. Well, God says when you have wisdom and knowledge as your stability, your sleep will be sweet. You will not stumble. Your walk will be secure. Verse 25, he says, do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor the onslaught of the wicked when he comes. For the Lord will be your confidence. God provides. God is willing to provide such wisdom to all those who are willing to look for him or look to him for it. And James tells us that we can look to God for wisdom. In James chapter 1, he says, but if anyone lacks wisdom, let him do what? Ask God. Some of us are reluctant to ask because we ask so much. We think God says, you, you had enough. But notice what James says. But if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all generously. God doesn't say, well, I'm not sure how you're going to handle this wisdom, so I'm going to give you a little piece now. And if you've handled it, okay, I'm, you can come back and I'll give you some more. He doesn't say that. He says, generously and without reproach. I like that part. Because you know what it means? It means that God is not going to say, well, you've been here last week with some, and I gave it to you, now you want more? Or he could say, well, you just sinned yesterday. And now you, no. He says, without reproach, and it will be given him. But notice verse 6. But he must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like a surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. The wisdom of God is available to us. But we need to come clean. We need to come not with any ulterior motives before God. God is quite willing and able to give us the wisdom that we need. So that we can have the wisdom and knowledge to be the stability of our times. But also, we need to be mindful of the fact that the stability provided by the Lord comes through salvation. Uh, the, the New King James Version says, the strength of salvation. Now, while wisdom and knowledge can help us face life and all that we encounter in life, the salvation of the Lord can help us face death. And as we mentioned, not many people can handle it or face it. They get bent out of shape. If we know the Lord will save us to eternity... We can better face the adverse circumstances and situations that come into our lives that threaten even death. Consider the example of the Apostle Paul. Paul had a strong hope with regards to salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 1 we read, For we know that the earthly tent which is our house, is, when the earthly tent which is our house is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now notice, which would you prefer, a tent or a house? You want a house, right? Why not a tent? Well, the house is stronger. But what's the difference between the two? Right, the house is permanent. The tent is temporary. And Paul says, we know. There's no doubt in our minds. We know that if this earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, it's our house now, temporarily. But he says, if it's torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And then he goes on to verse 5. He says, now, we, now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us his spirit as a pledge. 
No doubt about it. God gave us a down payment in the person of his Holy Spirit. Verse 6 says, Therefore, being always of good courage, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Verse 8 says, We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. But Paul's attitude as a result of this hope is also a challenge to us. He says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, Therefore, we do not lose heart. How many times do we lose heart when things happen in our lives? Why? Because we do not have God as the stability of our times. We are counting on so many other things. Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Someday you're going to wake up and find out, find out that some part of you is not working the way it used to work the day before. And sometimes we have a tendency to lose heart. Some people woke up one day and found out that part of them that they needed to function, to survive, needed to be replaced. Paul says, do not lose heart. While the earthly body is decaying, the inner man is being renewed. And so the salvation of the Lord can help us face death, while wisdom and knowledge of the Lord can help us face life. Paul says in verse 18, uh, verse 17 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Now, this is, this is interesting, and it reminds me that God's got to have a sense of humor. Because I think of an individual who's going through probably years and years of, of sickness and affliction. And God says, that's momentary. For you, it's an eternity. But God says, it's momentary. Lord, how long am I going to go through this? Remember Paul in his affliction, uh, his infirmity, thorn in the flesh? We don't know how long Paul had it. But Paul prays, says, Lord, please take this away. Now, Paul may have had it for a long time, but for God, from God's perspective, from Paul's perspective, it was a long time. But from God's perspective, it was only momentary. But then I like the next part, he says, for momentary light affliction. For Paul, that was in light stuff. For many people who are going through sickness, it's not light. For them, it's, it's heavy. But God says, don't lose heart. It's light affliction, and it's only momentary. And it's producing for you an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. So allow me, God says, to be your stability in times when those light afflictions that are momentary seem lengthy and heavy. Verse 18, while you look out, while you look not on things which are seen, but on the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. When our stability is in God, we are not looking from a temporal perspective. We are looking from an eternal perspective. Yes, the wisdom and knowledge and salvation found only in the Lord provides stability. And there are some other verses we don't have the time to go through. In Romans chapter 8, for example, uh, tells us a lot of how we can trust and wait on the Lord in terms of death. But time would not permit us. But the wisdom, knowledge, and salvation found only in the Lord provides the stability we need for our times. Wisdom and knowledge providing stability in facing life and salvation providing stability in facing death. Together, they both provide what the scripture in our text tonight describes as great 
wealth or treasure. Uh, the NASB calls it, or the NIV calls it, a rich store. But what is the key to this treasure of wisdom, knowledge, and salvation from the Lord? That is the stability of your times when you need it. Again, we see it in our text. The key to the stability is, it is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. The NIV states, the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. As noted, the fear of the Lord is essential. It's absolutely necessary to having wisdom and knowledge. It is the beginning of knowledge, according to Proverbs uh, chapter 1 and 7. It is the beginning of wisdom, according to Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. But it's also necessary to be accepted by God, according to Acts chapter 10. Paul says, opening his mouth, or rather Peter, opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. Verse 35, but in every nation, the man who fears him, that's the key, and does what is right is welcome to him. So the fear of the Lord is necessary to be accepted by God. And that is the key for the wealth, for the, for the stability of our times. But the message of salvation is also given to those who have this fear. Acts chapter 13, verse 26 says, Brethren, sons of Abraham's family, and those among you who fear God, to us, the message of this salvation has been sent. Notice, it's been sent to those who fear God. You've got to fear God, reverence His word, for God to give you His word, to entrust His word to you. But that is the key for having the stability of the times in which we live. Why the fear of the Lord is so necessary? By the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. Think of what would happen if every individual in this little country of ours had the fear of the Lord. Think of what that will do to crime. Zilch, go right down. I went to an island a couple of times and they don't have any crime on the island. No crime, no police. And it was strange to me coming from a city where there was so much crime. No crime. I said, where's the police? We don't need any because we don't have any crime. The fear of the Lord. By the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. Proverbs 16, 6 says, A scoffer seeks wisdom and finds none, but, the knowledge, but knowledge is easy to the one who has understanding. A reverence for God, a fear for God, and His righteous judgments is an effective motivation. And that's the key that we have. By departing from evil, we turn to God. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, a place of refuge. Proverbs 14, 26 says, strong confidence, a place of refuge. That is what we need. God is there to be that for us, the stability of our times. When we turn to God, the fear of the Lord becomes a source of great, not just any blessing, but great blessing. Great blessing. When we fear the Lord, when we reverence Him. Such wisdom, knowledge, salvation, confidence, refuge... Indeed, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, the scripture tells us in Proverbs 14, 27. So where is your stability today, tonight? Where do you place it? In times of sickness, in times of death, in times of tragedy? Who 
is the stability of your times. Finally, the heart of this challenge for us this evening is that those who lack stability in troubled times do so because they lack the wisdom, knowledge, and the salvation of the Lord. If you don't have stability, look at the wisdom that you have, the knowledge that you have, whether you are saved, whether your salvation is firm and you have a hope, an eternal hope. They lack these things because they do not have the fear of the Lord, reverence for God. But secondly, a proper fear of the Lord would prompt us to turn from evil and turn to God. That is a proper fear of the Lord as God intended it. Turn to God where we would find his knowledge, wisdom, and salvation. When we turn, which in turn would provide the stability of our times. With this stability, we can accurately say along with the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 6, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid what man can do to me. You can only say that accurately and with assurance and with confidence when the Lord is the stability of your times. And so the question is, is he? Whatever you're going through in your life right now, is God the stability of your times or are you counting on someone else or something else? I trust that you'd walk out of here tonight and allow God to be the stability of your times regardless of what you encounter. Will you do that in troubled times? Let's pray. And as we close, I came across a poem by Annie Johnson Flint and she says, God has not promised skies always blue, flower-strewn pathways all our lives through. God has not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. But God has promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, light for the way. Yes, God has promised grace for the trials, help from above, unfailing sympathy, undying love. Father, we thank you this evening that you have reminded us once again that while there are so many solutions in our world today, you are the ultimate solution. You are the one that we are to turn to for the stability of our times, regardless of what we encounter, be it sickness, death, tragedies, uncertainties, or whatever. We can come to you. Because you are the stability of our times. You provide us with wisdom and knowledge. And the key to you being the stability in our lives is the fear of the Lord. May we take these words to our hearts and we allow you to be what you desire to be in our lives regardless of what we go through so that you would be glorified and your name would be exalted. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Separate us now with your blessed benediction. For we ask it in Christ's name and all God's people say, Amen. The Lord bless you and make you a blessing for him as you go.